Welcome in to Home Field Advantage. My name is Will Highland, and today is August 1st, 2021. I hope you're having a great weekend wherever you may be across our great nation or our great land. Those are not my words, but I like to use them anyway. I hope you had a great weekend if you are listening now on Sunday evening. Um, But if you're listening during the week, don't worry. The next weekend will be here before we know it. Um, But thanks for tuning in to the program today. There won't be a lot of just monologue of me talking. I actually was able to have a uh, guest on the program today. Um, We talked a little bit of college football and a little bit of NFL. Um, So that was fun. So I hope you enjoyed that part of the show. Um, you'll notice in the in the title that I wrote MLB Trade Deadline, uh, but I'm actually going to plug another show. Uh, I did not talk about the MLB Trade Deadline uh, myself. I was actually joined by, um, excuse me, I actually joined uh, Brent Cardi from The Cardi Show uh, over uh, in Ontario, Canada. Uh, it's a Blue Jays podcast, but we talked about all things MLB trade deadline. So if you're interested in my thoughts on the MLB trade deadline, please go listen to The Cardi Show. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, simply by searching The Cardi Show. And that's Cardi spelled C-A-R-D-Y. And it was a great podcast, a lot of fun. And you'll be able to find it quickly because his logo uh, features a maple leaf. Uh, much like most Canadian brands. So uh, you'll be able to find it pretty quickly. Uh, and it was a great time talking baseball over there. Here on our show this week, uh, here at Home Field Advantage, we mainly talked football. Uh, and I was joined by an old friend of mine, Jackson Winslow. And uh, Jackson is a huge college football fan. He knows a lot more about it than I do. He's a graduate of the University of Alabama, which by virtue of that, gives him a completely uh, unique experience uh, compared to most people up here in New England uh, when it comes to college football. So it was a lot of fun chatting with Jackson earlier this weekend, and I hope you'll enjoy that part of the show uh, because that will be the only part of the show. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jackson Winslow. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope uh, you'll be able to learn something uh, from it because I certainly did. All right, welcome to the podcast, Jackson. What is up? Not much. I've just been watched the F one race this morning. Uh, been following Patriots camp this last week, and it's been pretty much quiet, other than a couple talks on listening to Alabama stuff, but nothing too major there. All right, yeah, you're right. It is certainly sort of a quiet. Uh, a time of year in the sports world as we gear up for the start of football. Um, but at the same time, it has been busy elsewhere in the sports world, but we will be talking mainly football today. Um, so just as we start off, the biggest topic, I think, in in college football right now is the conference realignment. Um, Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I've understood and read it sounds like they're out but they'll officially be joining the sec in 2025 when the big 12 tv rights are up all right 
so yeah, the Big 12 will have some time to figure out what they're going to do. Um, what does the future of the SEC look like with, uh, with Texas and Oklahoma in the mix? I've read two couple different ways people think this is going to go. With it being 16-team alignments, I've heard you're going to have four 14 pods. And then I've heard you'll have two 18 divisions. And there will obviously be some realignment with the West and East division, assuming Oklahoma and Texas would be the West. So do you envision someone like South Carolina moving away um, and joining the ACC? Or do you envision uh, South Carolina staying? Um, Do you see... Clemson moving out, like, do you think it's going to affect other conferences beyond the two we've talked about? I think it will affect, because you've got to think about other sports, too, because you think about Big 12, and you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, who are also big basketball schools, which then Kansas doesn't have an in-conference major player, so I could even see Kansas jumping ship going Big 10, yeah, just for their basketball program. Yeah, that that's true. And the future of the Big 12 is, I guess, really what's at stake because the SEC is going to survive no matter what, right? Like we've got in the just in the football world and in the basketball world, we have strong players down there. I mean, in the football world specifically, obviously, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, perennial players in the mix there. Um, basketball world. Not as much. And then, of course, you have A&M. Uh, they're around. You've got Missouri. They're around. They're two newer uh, teams in the SEC. So I think the SEC will survive. But it's really the Big 12 that you mentioned at stake because, you know, they're a big basketball conference as well. Oklahoma leaves. Texas leaves. What does that mean for Kansas? What does that mean for TCU and Baylor? Um, you know, what does that mean for West Virginia? You know, so I think West Virginia will end up in the Big Ten. And, of course, the Big Ten can't be the Big Ten if they've got, you know, 15 teams in there. So West Virginia, I've heard a couple of things. I've heard them even going to the ACC. Yeah. West Virginia going ACC, Kansas going Big Ten. And other, then you're down to six. And I've heard they're just might get absorbed into the Pac-12. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and and the, the and if the Pac twelve absorbs them, then you really I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a big four or a power four as opposed to a power five. And that doesn't help college football at all. Uh in terms of its in terms of the reach and the in 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 that whole side of thing. It, it will help and with money, and it will help with uh it will help with competition. But the reach, I think, will be a little watered down if you only have four uh, power conferences. And, and with, you know, sort of retreading here, talking about Texas and uh, Oklahoma, we have some years to figure that out, like how that will look like in the uh, SEC. But what does Oklahoma or Texas gain from joining the SEC beyond the money? Like, what do they gain on, fi- on the field? Do they gain anything tangible on the field by joining the SEC? I think you'll have, with Texas, you'll regain your in-state recruiting battle with A&M. Because I think with A&M being in the SEC, 
they've been getting that kind of upper hand of Texas kids. Oh, I want to go play in the SEC, want to go play them, but I want to stay in Texas. And I think Oklahoma will probably end up taking that advantage over Oklahoma State, which they already had, but it will just say, do I want to go to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Yeah. When Oklahoma's in the SEC playing perennial powerhouses, yeah. I'm going to stay that total there. Well, yeah, we see that. We see that in other sports. Um, certainly, up until this year, it happened in baseball in the state of Tennessee. All the best kids from Tennessee would go to Vanderbilt, um, you know, if they were able to. And so we we've seen that in we've seen that in other sports. It certainly happens in basketball in places like Kansas or um, or uh, elsewhere in the Midwest. Certainly, can't people choose Kansas over Kansas State for obvious reasons if they can. Um, so yeah, the in-state recruiting is a huge, huge part of it, and and uh, and especially in the in the football world with the fact that Texas, some of these other southern states, they're really where the recruiting happens. But actually, you know, I look around and I see some of the top recruits from high school from California. They're going to go. They want to go play in the southeast, uh, whether that's in the ACC or the SEC it depends. Um, but what does the Pac-12 look like in the future in football, um, you, you know, given that they really aren't a powerhouse football conference anymore, uh, if you really look at it? They're not, but I think with, to get on to the other topic that's going to be coming up with it, and I name image likeness stuff, I think you give USC their wins back, you know, um, Reggie Bush is Heisman if he eventually gets that back. I think you'll see some redirection in that area yeah. because you become a big storyline and someone will be there. But even if you, if they become a top, like if we lose the big 12 and it becomes a hybrid division there or yeah. conference, I think you'll see what, um, I think you'll see something develop out of there. Yeah. And I think there's development out there when you factor in the academic part of it too, because right, the Pac-12, they've got Stanford and they've got USC, they've got Cal. These are very, yeah, Gonzaga uh, in basketball, I believe plays out there. They've got really strong academic institutions and so does the Big Ten. But like, let's be real, the Big 12 isn't necessarily known for its academic prowess. So I think what you'll probably have happen is uh, now that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, you'll in the set in the Big Twelve you'll have uh, places like TCU and Baylor who are a little bit more on the upper end of the academic spectrum. They might end up uh, out there in the in the uh, Pac twelve, and then you'll have the others have to get absorbed somewhere else. But then you look at the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is also a academically strong conference um so i wonder what that what will happen with notre dame like will people will someone try and grab notre dame so there's there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of moving parts i think with this realignment the tv deal something notre dame's gonna have to pick a conference and i think when you're looking at a conference wise what they've been doing recently they're gonna slide right into the acc yeah yeah the acc is another strong academic conference as well if you factor in um, places like Boston College or um, uh, NC uh, University of North Carolina so 
Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot moving there. Um, yeah, I mean, you went to an SEC institution. I'm not saying that it's not a good academic institution, but from the balance, right? The balance of uh, what of what they what they value. The SEC at this point is essentially minor league football, uh, and right. I mean, you you there were jokes, but it's like you put Alabama against the years that the Browns went over or won in whatever. The joke is, oh, we could have beat them, but in reality, I don't think college football team is going to beat a team of, even though they suck, a team of <laughs> pretty much ta- NFL talent when you have 30 NFL guys on a 65-man college roster. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, those those were always funny conversations. One thing I will say is it is minor league football, and this actually is a great transition into our uh, topic, a subject of name, image, and likeness. But, you know, the the minor, the minor league football aspect of it is it, it is what it is. If you look at the draft boards, you know, a lot of these guys, they're coming from Alabama or LSU or Auburn or um, – or uh, Florida. I mean, all year long, you know, Kyle Pitts, uh, Mac Jones, you know, every all these top draft picks come from the SEC, and you know, now you you know you look around the you look around the NFL and it's like, yep, this is pretty much SEC professional in a professional manner. Uh, that's not to say that the Big Ten or the ACC doesn't send people, um, you know, the NFL, but. As it pertains to the college football world, what does name, image, and likeness do for a school like um, like yours that you went to in the University of Alabama? And before, before I ask you that question, for the audience out there, name, image, and likeness, we've talked about this before in the program, but it's the ability for an athlete uh, to use those exact factors um, to profit uh, and make money for themselves without uh, breaking their amateur status. And in recent months, the NCAA has um, come under pressure to allow that to happen, and the Supreme Court has even made a ruling. So back to my question, Jackson, like what for a school like that you went to, that you, you know you were around this environment, what does this opportunity mean for not just college football players, but college basketball players? Uh, and then players from other sports. What is what does it mean for them at a big school I mean, like yours? A big school like that, it's a recruiting standpoint. Um, Nick Saban was recently at a coaching clinic in Texas and revealed that his starting quarterback, the quarterback that's presumably going to be starting this year, has played zero collegiate games and has over seven seven figures in investments people spawn, wanting him to sponsor so he pretty much is using it as a recruiting tool yeah and, and and it is it will become the haves and the have-nots right like if you look at other division one or division two schools that don't have like just if we stick in the sec right like let's say you're the three years from now the number one recruit i don't know this probably won't happen but just for a hypothetical like let's say the number one recruit is from uh, you know, South Carolina. He's from he's from Wilmington, or uh, actually, that's in North Carolina. So let's say he's from Wilmington. He could go to Clemson. He's got offers from Clemson. He's got offers from Alabama. He's got offers from South Carolina, and he's got offers from 
NC, uh, University of North Carolina. Where is he going? He's going to go with the one. He's going to go to the place that can offer him, A, probably the best chance to play and succeed on the field. But the factor that you mentioned, he's going to go where he can make some make some cash. You know, this is a 19-year-old, 18-year-old kid. He doesn't know. You know, he doesn't think about the long-term future. He's going to go where he can make some cash. And he, he, he might think about the long-term future, but... What, what does that mean for some of these top high school recruits in their decision-making process? I think it's going to make it harder for, I don't know, harder, but it, for them, it's going to, I think they're going to go where the money is. And people, we always talk, like, joke that Alabama was paying their recruits because every football player was driving a Camaro or Corvette or some sports car. Yeah. It's like, oh. Now it'll be like, okay, we know where you got that now instead of, oh, which donor gave you a duffel bag full of CAD in the local rundown mall versus now, oh, here's a check. Yeah. Oh, I heard a joke on the radio a couple weeks ago that was like some place like the University of Miami now. It's like. Oh, it, it won't. It'll be just. It won't. It'll still be business as usual. It'll just be like you don't have to hide it anymore. <laughs> like it, it, it's that, and uh, you won't. I think the other thing. This is actually something that I just recently saw on Twitter. You won't have kids feeling drugs, at, or you may, depending on where they're from. But you won't have college players feeling drugs to get around money. Yeah, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, it is hard because like. Look, we were both we're both relatively young. Like we have friends like this, right? You know, young kids we make stupid decisions. And you know, I think you know, some, you know, like you said, depending on someone's background or the kind of, you know, parenting that they had or, you know, where they're from, um, you know, some of these extra factors, like they might need coaching on how to handle money, right? Like I, I know, for me, like, I'm just speaking candidly here, like, when I was 18 years old, if someone wrote me a check for $600,000, I wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. I mean, thankfully, I have parents that probably would have coached me in the right way, but, I mean, just honestly speaking, that's not always the case, and it's sad that that's not always the case, and so, what do you think the ramifications will be about that, like, younger people being in charge of money? Do you think agents will start to emerge? I think you'll see agents or at least what I wouldn't be surprised with at least at Alabama you'll have a financial management person on staff interesting Alabama Alabama can do that they have four different strength and conditioning coaches for the last or last year they had a new one and he brought like three assistants with him it's like if the schools have money and it's like, okay, we're going to do whatever we can, especially Saban. He wants the kids. He's a, more of a parent to his yeah. kids when he's not at practice. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, because we, we just talked about how, you know, depending on your background, like you might, you might have had like, you know, you might have grown up with people that weren't great influences on you, right? And you have these bad habits and then you get to college and now there's money involved, right? And, and now... You know, and that doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what, you know, it's like everyone has friends that influence them in a negative way, right? And then when you get to college, there's all those influences are doubled and tripled and quadrupled. And 
so yeah, you're right. The the schools are going to put, you know, really strong emphasis on protecting those student athletes because they've got a stake in the game too. They're the money like the athletes still are the money makers for the school. And so if they need to protect those guys with financial managers or to make sure that they're not going to strip clubs or dealing drugs, then they'll do that. So so yeah, that's a great that's a great point is that the the schools that can afford to will put an emphasis on uh, on keeping keeping their players uh, in the straight and narrow. And then, kind of to fall back on the conference realignment thing, I think this if they fall to a four conferences or remain in five, this money stuff will make that separation between the power four slash five and the group of five will become a bigger gap than it already is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you think about a place like a good football school, like Stetson, good football school, Liberty, good football school, um, some of these Troy, decent football school, all by and large. I mean, some of these schools have good history, these group of five schools. Um, you know, uh, what's the one where Lane Kiffin coached? Um, Florida, Florida. Florida Atlantic. Some of these other schools, like they've got decent – um, we've got decent uh, programs. I mean, I might be dating myself. I don't really follow these schools um, that closely. What was that? Troy's still pretty good. Troy's still pretty good. Yeah, I remember like when I when we were younger, like in our teens and stuff. They were they had some pretty good teams, but uh, like uh, is Southern Methodist? Are they are they in a um? They're not in. Southern. Southern Miss or Southern Methodist? Southern SMU, Southern Methodist. They're not in – what conference are they in? They might be in I Conference think. USA. I'm going to look that up that real or, quick. That or Mountain West. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's a great point, Jackson, is like some of these guys, like they so – some of these um, guys that have an opportunity to play, um, play at these larger group of five schools is – yeah, they might be okay – but then, you know, you you look elsewhere. We don't have to go pretty far to find that. Um, wait, I lost my window. I can't find you. Oh, there you are. The joys of technology. But, you know, you look around in, like, some of these other schools, like, look, the Colonial American or whatever, whatever the hell it's called where, that Humane plays in, they have no pull. Like, James Madison, like, Maine, New Hampshire, Hofstra, they don't even have football anymore, actually. So I'm even dating myself further. Uh, they don't have like some of these places. They're not going to be able to afford to do that. So you're right. The but, gap is going to get huge. But that's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised with this and the realignment if you see a couple. Though, if you see one or two Group Five conferences drop back to uh, the FCS. Really because interesting. It just that's just me. Not get knowledge on anything, but it's like if that separation where, hey, we can't make the football college or the football playoff, even if they expand it, if we can't make it, we might as well go play somewhere like FCS, where there is a 16 to 24 team playoff. Yeah, that's true. It's Yeah, and, and these, other, these other smaller schools, like Boise State, they could probably swing it. Wyoming might be able to swing it. You know, they might be able to sort of be like, hey, like we, you know, we produce Josh Allen, you know, we can produce you, you know. So there's a little, there's a little bit of, there could be a little bit of jockeying there, but you're right. By and large, 
it's going to be the power five or the power four, whatever that ends up being. And then it's going to be everyone else, just like it always has been. It won't help the landscape of college football or college basketball in terms of making a more even playing field. It won't do that. The only thing it will do is it will reward those who value their athletic programs. It will. And and college athletics was already doing that. So that's sort of the negative. On the bright side, it will allow student athletes to actually have a say in their own, uh, you know, ability to use them, use their, uh, use, use their own, um, you know, intellectual property to help themselves. Like the, we were just talking about Clay Travis before we got on the air. The, the example he always uses is that if Johnny Menzel were sitting in math class and someone walked up and said, Hey Johnny, can you sign me, sign this football for me? And he said, Oh yeah, sure. Let's say you were in class with Johnny Menzel. He signs a football for you. He gives it back to you. That's not a problem. It's a friend. It's a friendly thing, right? Like you're not, he doesn't know that you're making money off it. Like he's doing it because you didn't ask him for money uh, for it. And uh, he didn't ask for money for you. So he's like, you just signed it as a friend. All right. But you as an American free citizen could very well turn around and sign, sell that on eBay without him knowing about it for money. And he gets in trouble for it. Well, it's like engineers or um, any of the kids on school scholarships. Like, engineer can go out. That's well. After at Alabama, the engineer guys develop the tent their senior year for their senior project. The injury tent that you now see all colleges and professional football players use. Oh, that's pretty that cool. And Alabama was the first one to develop the school patented it for them because they didn't have the resource, but. They got the money from that, and they were on scholarship. Now imagine, and that was one of the big arguments, is or you get a musician on campus that has a music scholarship, and he's performing at the bars and a couple other things. He's making money. So you got all these different students that were making money. Your athlete, because he's working 60 hours a week on practice, and another 10 in class, or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Between the travel and the meals and the practices and the game day and the sessions and the meetings, plus their class, these guys, I mean, it is a full time job. Sure, they're getting compensated for it if you want to look at it in terms of those who are on scholarship. But that doesn't represent every Division One student athlete. So that's that's uh, that's a great point is if you look at other if you look at other sectors of the college environment. Athletes were held to a higher standard when it came to money making and revenue than any other than any other student population. Um, it's like brands. If you look at brands, I know when I went to a school in New England, and we had um, you know we had kids that were ambassadors for. We had one kid who was an ambassador for. Um, uh, Vineyard Vines or something like that, or Southern Tide or something like that. Like, you know, and he would get free stuff and, you know, he would use his position on campus uh, to make friends and, and you know, pass around, you know, merch and stuff. You know, that happens. So it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to uh, make it fair for everyone. But I think that, I think that ultimately de- decisions will have to be made. 
um, and uh, and someone's someone's going to have to pay uh, for any of the consequences that might arise because it will be the wild wild west. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I want to touch up on on nil is basketball too. If you look at the last three or four years, you've had or whenever the NBA changed their G League stuff around two or three years ago, where yeah. the G League changed it, where you could have 18, 19-year-old players sign with a team or get drafted in the G League. And you had college players that wanted money or needed money or whatever and said, I don't need school. I'll go play G League for two years. But they decided to go either play overseas somewhere or play the G League for a couple of years. And I think now you kind of see that come to an end where they can get money in college now, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it might change the decision-making for uh, younger athletes who have as hockey players, too, right? Like a lot of hockey players from Canada, they want to play in the NCAA, and then they realize that unlike juniors, you know, they don't they won't get a stipend or they won't get this or that, you know. So, yeah, it, it's... um. Certain certain uh, junior hockey teams have uh, will change someone's amateur status, which I find st- all of this is very strange um, and very uh, different. Anyway, so that's a great that's a great topic, and you know we're talking about decisions having to be made. The Patriots have a decision to make of their own. Um, they have a, probably their only time in our lifetime that maybe that we can remember at least. We might not remember the Drew Bledsoe-Tom Brady decision, but they have a quarterback controversy, essentially, whether anyone wants to call it that or not, for the first time. So what do you make of that? Your biases aside, being an Alabama guy, what do, what do you make of that? Well, um, from what I can tell, from what I've read and know about Mac Jones, is I knew he was going to fight for this because he went to Alabama and he knew he, when he decided to go, he knew he was going to be third or fourth on the depth chart. Because when he first year there, you had Jalen and then and Tua that were both in line. So he sat and work, which I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he was going to do. But from what I'm reading this week, from whether it's Zolak or a couple other guys, it's that Mac Jones is trying to come out and earn it. He's always been the first, like first or second player on the field, while Cam's been just kind of showing up. Interesting. I don't know if you've read any. I don't know if you've yeah. read anything differently. So I think, yeah, I also think that it somewhat goes with the territory, right? Like a rookie, he's gonna go out there early. Cam, he knows his roster spot. At least he knows now. Isn't really on the line. Like obviously Mac Jones isn't either. But I think that might go with the territory if you have a veteran player versus a rookie player. But when it comes to Mac Jones, I think you're absolutely right. This is a kid who he had. He went. He's played on the biggest stage. He's beat some of the best quarterbacks in the in the uh, college football world the past couple of years. He's sat behind two guys who are presumed to be starting in the NFL as well. He learned from them. He learned from Nick Saban. This is a guy who will fight, and you're absolutely right. My question is, what do the Patriots want Mac Jones to do this year? Like, do they want him to learn? and Or do or are they okay with him, you know, grabbing the job? Or would they rather 
you know, quote unquote, redshirt him for a year. I haven't gotten into that field. I don't know. Whenever Bill's been kind of at, from what I can tell, was asked this right after the draft, he always said, I want them to compete. Who's, we don't know who's going to start. That was never said lean one way or the other, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to get, that they would go the way pretty much many other teams have gone, where you'll sit him for at least the first handful of games, see how the first four games go without him, or yeah. see how Cam can handle himself with his new wide receiver talent. Yeah. Because I know last last year people were being critical that he couldn't throw, but I always ask. Yeah, he couldn't throw, but he didn't have anyone to throw to. Yeah, that's true. And, 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 and that's another part of this whole you know, topic is the the context of Cam Newton as a New England Patriot, right? Like, obviously last year was an anomaly. You know, he had no, he had really no training camp, he had no OTAs, he was signed late. He had no preseason, right? And so it's like Cam Newton kind of just rolled in, you know. But at the same time, there was portions of the year last year where he was just not fun to watch. And you're, But, again, you're right. Context matters. And he had no one to throw to. Now he's got Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I mean, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne aren't going to be superstars. But they're at least better than some of the bums that Cam Newton was throwing to last year. I mean, no disrespect to Demir Bird, but, like, can you really expect Demir Bird to be a number one receiver? I can't. You know, Julian Edelman was hurt, washed up. All, all respect to Julian Edelman. So, yeah, you're right. They had zero tight end. So context matters. I just wonder, like, what do they want out of Mac Jones? Do they want someone who's just going to be a yes man or a company man? Or do they want someone who's going to just go out there and be like, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Matt, I'm gonna take Cam Newton's job," you know, and and that's, I mean, or do they want a guy in the middle? And I think Matt Jones is kind of in the middle. I think he's a company man. I think he'll do what's best for the team. But at the same time, I think Matt Jones wants it. I think Matt Jones wants it. I think Matt Jones wants it way more than Jared Stidham wanted it. Jared Stidham did not seize the opportunity last year, um, and you know. And I think he's he won't make the end of training camp. That well, he just had surgery or whatever's yeah. out ten weeks or whatever it is. So it sounds like that he's out of this. But no, I think <clears throat> which I'll see with Mac Jones is from what I was able to see in Alabama, it's he's similar to Tom Brady to where he's a game manager. Yeah. If you walk everyone's like, Oh yeah, he had such he was had three all-star superstar wide receivers I'm like yeah but you need to get it to them and you know that you need to know that they're open you can't just hey I'm gonna lob the ball up here and hope he get catches it because he can't versus like yeah yeah I mean there's something to be said for the fact that those guys had tremendous sh- separation was it Jerry Judy and then this year obviously uh, Devonte Smith right those were the yeah, ones you were it's like he just had hand like his hands like you could get it near him and he would have caught yeah so and I think that's right I think sometimes people use the word game manager to describe a quarterback and they mean it in a negative aspect like Tom Brady yeah he was a game manager you want to know why he wasn't a game manager or you sorry you want to know why he was a game manager it's because he knew what the clock was he knew how many timeouts he had most of the time he knew what down it was (laughs) except for one time this year and you know he knew 
who his guys were and where he want, wanted to go with the ball. He knew what the situation was. That makes you a game manager quarterback. And read the defense. Sorry, Steph. But he was like, could always, the amount of times with Brady, you'd walk up to the line and he'd call an audible because he could read the defense. Like, I think Mac's going to have that, has that mentality where he was, was put in different situations at Alabama. He was in garbage time. He was got thrown in there at the end of last season when, uh, or two years ago when Tua got hurt. And then you had last year where he played the toughest college schedule he could have asked for. Yeah, and who did they beat in the semifinals? Ohio semifinals. did they did they beat to win this year? Who did they, who did Alabama beat in the semifinals? It was a college football playoff. I can't remember, but they beat they beat Ohio State, right? In the championship. Yeah. Ohio okay. State. So who was it before? I can't remember. Was it Clemson? No. No, Clemson. Clemson played. Yeah, who was it? Who was the fourth team? Was it Oklahoma? No, it wasn't. They were Oklahoma wasn't in it. All right, I'm. We're looking that up. We're we're looking that up uh, quickly. Uh, and but you're right. He played a tough. He played. A, he played a tough schedule. He played in the toughest conference, right? Um, yeah. Oh, Alabama beat Notre Dame. And, okay, that's what I was thinking. And Ohio Notre State Dame. beat Clemson. All right, yeah. Alabama beat Notre Dame. Yeah, that wasn't a close game, 31-14. to 14. But, um, you know, Notre Dame was still – they weren't anything to sneeze at. People, they were a top-four team. You know, they played a hard schedule too. And, and Mac Jones, you know, made, made work of those guys. So, yeah, you're, you're right. As, as, much as, as much as his team was gifted – he still he still had his work cut out for him. Yeah, when you play a twelve game season, you're playing twelve SEC teams, and then you play Notre Dame and Ohio State. I mean, you could almost say that it's not quite there, but that's a NFL quality schedule. Yeah, relative. Yeah, relative to who the kinds of games that you're you're going to play, like. You're going to play like in the NFL. You're going to play the division winner. You're going to play at least two division winners from the year before. You're going to play your division, the teams that know you best. And the same can be said in college football when you are, are Alabama, right? You're going to play the two two of the best teams in the whole nation, which they did, Notre Dame and Ohio State. A lot of people believed Justin Fields was the best quarterback in the league, in the in the uh, nation last year. They beat him. You know, and so the, yeah, the same kind of thing happens in the NFL. So I think he's well prepared. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, like I said, what they're going, what they're going to do with him. If you had a prediction on when he could start or make his first start, do you think it will be after or before Week Eight this year, or do you well, think it will be next year? What well, week's the bye? You know. Ah, oh, good question. Let's find out what the bye is. I should have had my, that in my notes. That and it's a now we're playing 17. 17 games. Yeah. So let's see what their buy is. So it looks like they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Where's their buy? I can't see it. I think their buy is late. I think they have a late buy. 
it's not showing me the when, what week, but it says that they play on December 6th and then they don't play again until December 19th. So that's 13 days. So that be, that's probably like week 15, 16 then. Yeah. Well, probably four. Week yeah. Week, five. it's probably week 14, week 14 or week 13. I'll, I'll find, I'll find it to for sure. But, um, that's huge. You know, the, where the buy is late. Um, it really, I guess it depends on when they're, um, when they're like, are they, are they still competing? Right. Like are they week 14 is their buy. Yep. So are they still competing? You know, I guess, I guess that's when, will, will you make a change if you need Mac Jones to help you compete or will you make a change because you need Mac to find out what Mac Jones can do in the NFL? Cause you're not competing. I guess that's the question. I think. Week fourteen by it's going to be is too. I think that's going to be on. They make a decision that's going to be probably the latest they're going to put Mac Jones. In. Yeah, that's that's almost too late. Maybe right. Like if at that but week fourteen, you either know if you're good or not. You know, and and it might be too late, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's entirely likely that the Pats could start off. You know, with a really good record. You know, if they could, if they could beat their division opponents. You know, they might lose the Saints or the Buccaneers or the Cowboys, but if they can if they can beat, you know, their division opponents in the first seven weeks, you know, they play the they play the Jets twice and the Dolphins once, they could be rolling into that Week Eight game against the Chargers out west, you know, with a with a four and two record or sorry a five and two record, like that's pretty good for where they're at. That's competing. About halfway through the season, so we'll find out. Do you have any yeah. predictions about um, the preseason and what we might learn about Mac Jones that we might not know already? Uh, I think a big thing you'll we'll probably learn is well, we already know he's confident in himself. Is whether or not he has the team behind him because you know. Last year, when the defense was speaking about Cam, the defense was supporting Cam. Cam got a captain. I think that's going to be on your big part of your big, big decision on how to which one to pick is whether the team thinks he has the locker room or the leadership capabilities to be your starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and that, a lot of that stuff you learn you learn on the practice field, right? And that's what they're doing right now. All right, two quick questions before I let you go here on Home Field Advantage. Um, first, who do you think's winning it all in college football? I mean, it's... <laughs> with what they've been doing, you've got to go with Alabama just because they've been so consistent. But I'm done. If you have a sleeper, I'm probably going to have to go with one of the Big Ten schools coming out of there surprising people because Ohio State's when they've always surprised people and I don't know you could have not that it would happen Michigan could yeah. surprise someone but if Harbaugh can get his act together at some point yeah seven years later if he can get his act together yeah oh I like that pick though it's yeah it's hard not to pick an SEC school especially Alabama uh, they've shown that year in year out they're there um but they've never won back to back, right? Is that true? No, eleven twelve was back to back. Eleven twelve. They beat 
They beat LSU in the game of the century, part one of three. Yep. And then you beat Notre Dame. At the okay. That wasn't even a... Oh, yeah, that was when Monte Teo played for Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah. That was Rudy versus Forrest Gump. All right. So, in a similar token, who's taking it home in the NFL? Uh, you think? <laughs> yeah. He'll be good, and then I want to go with Brady, but I also don't. It's, it's, if he's still winning it and you get the job done, they kept they kept all twenty four, or they kept twenty three of their twenty four starters from last year. Yeah. Unless people figured out the game film, I think you'll probably see another Kansas City Forty Nine ers or Kansas City Tampa Bay. Yep. Super Bowl. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think a surprise team that not a lot of people are talking about it could be the Rams. I know mean, it's not really a surprise team because they were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, but if Matt Stafford might excel with the change of scenery and a better team around him, they got a good defense. We know they have a decent coach, so that would be my other pick. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like it. So he's an Alabama guy and he's a Brady guy, true by true. I knew it. I knew it from the moment I met him. That's. <laughs> That's Jackson Winslow. I don't, I don't want to see Brady win, but it's hard not to pick against him at this point. Yeah, you're very right. It's hard at this point. You know, we've gone decades of doing this every year, and everyone picks against him, and then he proves everyone wrong. It's kind of sort of like the, it's like the law of the universe, uh, right? That and uh, Nick Saban winning championships. All right. So thanks, Jackson, for coming on. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll catch you later on in the football season. We'll have you on. In October, and uh, we'll chat. Um, we'll yeah. chat. Uh, chat about it next time. But uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks again. Well, all right. And there it was my conversation with Jackson Winslow. As I said in the outset, learned. A, I hope you learned a ton from our conversation. I certainly did, as it pertained to all of the current events going on in college football and his insight on the Mac Jones versus Cam Newton quarterback controversy or battle or whatever you want to call it here in New England. It was a ton of fun talking to him, catching up with him. We actually had a chance to chat on off air for a little bit too, which was fun. Um, so I, I hope you enjoy that part of the show. Next week, I will be joined by another um, old friend of mine, colleague of mine, we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about everything in the world of global soccer. Uh, but until then, thanks again for tuning in to Home Field Advantage. Please like the podcast on, I guess you don't like things on, uh, on Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram. You can like our posts on Instagram too, <laughs> but please follow us on Instagram at homefieldpod. Uh, and on Twitter, at HomeFieldPod. It would be awesome if you did that. And please, leave a review and leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify. That helps us with our numbers. Not that we worship the numbers, but it still helps. Nevertheless, anything uh, anything will do to help. And I am not picky in that regard. Uh, because I value any of the support I get from my listeners. And your listenership is much appreciated. But until next time, my name is Wolf Island, and this is Home Field Advantage.
If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Home Field Advantage is produced by Will Highland and presented as part of the Sportland America Network. Home Field Advantage and Sportland America are an independent set of programs, and opinions shared on them do not reflect those of any other company, person, or entity.